Hi, I'm Miranda Wright with HOWC Ministries. To learn more about our ministries, please visit us online at heartofworshipchurch.com. In Luke chapter 4, verses 10 through 12, we read this, starting with the words of the devil in his temptation to Jesus, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou shalt dash thy foot against a stone. And Jesus answering said unto him, It is written, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. We ought to not find it all that surprising that the devil actually used scripture to tempt Jesus in the wilderness. Because the devil knows the word of God and takes pride in twisting it and using it out of context against the people of God. In fact, in the Old Testament, we read about a creature called Leviathan. The scripture tells us that it is the father of the children of pride. In actuality, it is my belief and understanding that it is actually the Old Testament incarnation of the spirit of Antichrist. And one of the description of it is that it is that twisting serpent. Because the devil knows that it's easier to sell you a half-truth than a whole lie. He will twist the scripture, the very words of God, against you. Is that not what he did from the very beginning to Adam and Eve in the garden? He has been watching and listening and manipulating for whole dispensations. He knows the word of God. So you better make it a point to know it also, lest you be deceived by his cunning subtleties, just like he did to Eve. In fact, Paul warned those of the early church by using these exact words. In Psalms chapter 119, verse 9, we read this, Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. With my whole heart have I sought thee, Oh, let me not wander from thy commandments. Thy word, O Lord, have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Blessed art thou, O Lord. Teach me thy statutes. Jesus said that he would send us the Holy Spirit and that it would teach us, that it would lead us into all truth. This is one of its primary functions. Jesus was willing to suffer to give us unlimited access. Don't take so great a gift for granted. Don't forsake the abiding communion, fellowship. Jesus said, I stand at the door and knock, and any man who's willing to let me in, I will come in and sup with him. You see, in the Jewish culture, it was at supper time where the master of the house came and sat with the family, the children, the servants, all of them, and taught them, instructed them. It was a time of discipleship. And Jesus is knocking and waiting and desiring this because he wants us to be fruitful. That's why he said that if you abide in me, in my words, and my words remain in you, then you will produce much fruit. 
and so will the Father be pleased. The Holy Spirit loves to teach, but so does the enemy love to deceive. So let me explain a few things. In our opening passage, Satan had taken Jesus to a high point, the pinnacle of the temple, and there he told Jesus to cast himself down. Now, you might think this sounds a bit ridiculous, but understand the context. Because Satan sure did. He knew what he was doing. He was being very cunning and manipulative. And he was using the word of God to be deceptive. Because you see, the reason he said this was because that he was using an Old Testament prophetic scripture that had been promised about the coming Messiah, that the angels of God would take care of him, that nothing would hurt him outside of God's will and timing and plan for his life, that angels would take him up if need be, that he would not be allowed to dash his foot against a stone. Yet Jesus knew scripture also and discerned through the word what Satan was trying to do. Satan had an evil agenda. And though he used scripture out of context to tempt Christ into taking an action that was against God's will and words, Christ not only discerned this, but also proved it by comparing the devil's interpretation against other scriptures as he quoted back. Another verse. This is why it is so important, as the scripture tells us, to rightly divide the word of truth. You see, God did give his angels charge over Jesus to protect him. We see this many times throughout the scriptures that God did the miraculous when the enemy tried to overcome Jesus before the proper season. But in all of those instances, Jesus was only doing what the Father had told him and had only gone where the Father had sent him. Because you see, Scripture says also that we are only under God's protection as long as we obey his words and commandments. Remember that Jesus often said that he did nothing unless his Father told him to do it, and that he said nothing unless his Father told him to say it. Therefore, Jesus was faithful to obey God's voice in faith. Therefore, was God faithful to protect him as he did so. Many times in the Gospels, we read accounts of people being enraged by Christ's words to the point that they sought to kill him. Yet it says in certain points that even while they looked for him, he walked right through the midst of them and went on his way as though it would seem that they could not even see him. How miraculous an event because you see that it was not yet his time to be delivered. God did give angels charge over him to protect him until the appointed time. However, this was only in regard to allowing Jesus to walk out God's instructions and will for his life, and not his own. God never told Jesus to jump from this pinnacle. And when we take matters into our own hands, 
start trusting in our own importance, act upon our own will and leading, in our pride and arrogance, we tempt God to let us fall. If God tells you to take a leap of faith, then my friend, you can rest assured that he will catch you. But if he never spoke that to you, and you do it trusting in your own importance to obligate God to respond to your action, then you've moved from serving God, which is responding to his leading, to expecting God to serve you or respond to your leading. And that is nothing but pride. Pride always goes before a fall. And Satan knew this all too well. You see, his real agenda here was to get Christ to do as he did, to fall because of pride. Satan had been cast down by God. Now he tried to get God in the flesh to cast himself down and be like him. This is always his ploy, because Satan cannot cause a Christian to fall into sin and be destroyed, because they have the protection of God round about them. But through their pride, he can cause them to jump into sin themselves and lose that protection by doing things and saying things that God never told them to do or to say. This is how Balaam caused the Israelites to stumble in the wilderness. It's also how the spirit or doctrine of Balaam, which is mentioned in the book of Revelations, causes the church of Pergamos to stumble. When Balaam first tried to curse the Israelites, he could not because they were obeying the voice of God. They walked under his protection, under his hoopah, his covering. So what did Balaam do? So what did Satan do through Balaam? He simply encouraged them to stop listening to the voice of God and to start acting upon their own leading. Though just like with Jesus, it was really the leading of the devil stirring their pride into doing things that God never told them to do. And likewise, when we do nothing or say things that God never told us to say or to do, then we are guilty of the same. We will not only be led astray ourselves in doing this, but we will be guilty of leading others astray and their blood will be on our hands on the judgment day. You might say, oh, that's an Old Testament account. No, we are warned throughout the New Testament by James, by Peter, and by Jesus himself to beware of the doctrine of Balaam because that's how he operates. In fact, Paul tells us at the end of his earthly ministry when he was facing eternity at his execution in Acts chapter 22, verse 26, he says this, wherefore I take you to record this day that I am pure of the blood of all men for I have not shunned to declare unto you 
all of the counsel of God. Take heed therefore unto yourself and to all of the flock over which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Also of your own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things, and draw away disciples after themselves. Wherefore watch and remember that by the space of three years I did not stop warning you of this, every one of you, day and night, with tears. Paul pled with the early church to take this tactic of the enemy seriously. The devil is cunning and will work through the wolves in sheep's clothing to twist the scripture in order to get you to fall from the simplicity that is the gospel and message of Jesus. Because remember, he is the truth, the way, and the life. He came and gave his very life to deliver the truth to us. The devil tried to kill him, to silence him, to keep that truth from you. Of course, he didn't know what he was doing, that it was actually going to release it to all the world. But nevertheless, it should show us how desperately the enemy wants to deceive by causing you to come out of agreement with the truth. Because he knows this, that only the truth can make men free. Free from what? The lies of the enemy that keep men bound and damned for hell. Yes, we are saved by grace through faith. But it's faith in what Jesus came to say. Not in what we want to believe, what we want to hear, what we want to think, what we want to do. You've got to be willing to lose your life here in order to gain it in eternity. Because my friend, as Jesus said, what good is it to gain the whole world but lose your eternal soul? I'm here today to preach to you the real gospel. In both the Old Testament and the New, accounts of those who fell for this tactic God reacted to with wrath, which in actuality in most cases is simply the removal of God's blessing and protection. Yet Jesus, both during his temptation and again when he spoke to John the Revelator about this topic, gave us the answer to overcome this tactic of Satan. You see, the reason that this whole temptation started at the highest point of the temple is because that it is exemplified in the false doctrines that are rooted in pride that cause Christians to not just fall, but willingly jump to their death, doing things and saying things that God himself never told them. In the wilderness, Jesus combated this tactic with the truth of the word of God. And in Revelations, Jesus again says that he will come against this tactic and doctrine with, and I quote, the sword of his mouth, which again is the word 
God. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, we read this, For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. It is of my belief and opinion that the reason it is a two-edged sword is because the word of God is comprised of both logos and rhema. Logos is the written word of God and rhema is the spoken word of God. We have to have both in our heart. We have to read God's written word because it is our source of discernment. If we hear anything spoken to us individually, in the place of prayer and seeking that does not line up with the word of God, then it is not coming from the Holy Spirit. But also we have to have a relationship with God because it is the Holy Spirit who teaches us. Jesus said, my sheep know my voice and another they will not follow. And there are things that are written in the scripture that are seasonal and conditional. And we have to know what applies to our life in that moment and in that time. For example, it says that there are time to feast and time to fast. There are times to rejoice and times to weep. There are times to be healed and there are times to die. How do you know which one applies. That's where the rhema, the present right now spoken word of God comes into play. You better have both edges of that sword sharpened because the enemy does not stop attacking. So don't be so quick or presumptuous. Never take what you are told that either God or the Holy Spirit says and jump with it. Don't be so prideful to think that the devil cannot speak to you. He spoke to Jesus. And he quoted scripture as he did it. The devil knows the scripture very well and takes pride in twisting it against the unknowing. So you better take the time to ask the Holy Spirit of God to speak to you directly, and to teach you all things through the full counsel of the word of God. Remind yourself often that the devil knows the Bible. Therefore, you need to know it better. And there is no better teacher than God himself. Learn to hear his voice and rebuke all others that contradict it. No matter how much your pride or your flesh wants to listen to what the other voices are saying, humble yourself before God, follow his words, and he will pour out grace in abundance to not only empower you to walk out his instructions and righteous judgments with all authority and power, but also to protect you as you do as a witness to you and to others. Jesus said this to his followers in John chapter 14, verse 26, but the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance. Whatsoever I have said unto you, Again, it is the Holy Spirit's purpose 
and great pleasure to teach and to bring all truth to us. He is the very spirit of revelation. He will reveal Christ, who is the truth, to us. But it takes patience and time in the word and in his presence. This is not a ministry that seems very glorious because it's not a lot of time in front of men being validated. It's a lot of time in the quiet and in the prayer closet. But James tells us this in chapter 4, verse 6. He says that God gives more grace, wherefore he saith that God will resist the proud, but he will give more abundant grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. How can you resist if you can't even discern his deceptions and tactics? There is power and authority to rebuke Satan, but there is endurance and staying power in your ability to resist his influence. And in order to do that, you need to know the truth when he comes at you with lies and twisted scriptures that try to validate your pride and lust and selfish desires. Coming back to our opening passage in Luke chapter 4, verse 9, during the temptation of Jesus, let's read it in a little more completeness. And he, Satan, brought him, Jesus, to Jerusalem and set him on a pinnacle of the temple and said unto him, If thou be the Son of God, then cast thyself down from hence, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou shalt dash thy foot against a stone. And Jesus answering said unto him, It is written, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. And when the devil had ended all the temptation, he departed from him for a season. And Jesus returned in the power of the Holy Spirit into Galilee. And there went out a fame of him through all the region round about. And he taught in their synagogues, being glorified of all. You may think now it will hit a little different that we have a better understanding of what was really happening in this scripture. Satan was quoting the word of God in a way that was prideful and out of context, but Jesus corrects with other scripture. And then having overcome this tactic and temptation, did God then empower him and entrust him with a greater outpouring of his spirit and sent him out to do the work of his kingdom? Because that Christ resisted. He resisted pride. He resisted the lie, but the truth of God. This message was brought to you by HOWC Ministries. 
To learn more about our ministries, please visit us online at heartofworshipchurch.com.